Today on Lyft, we're gonna be discussing how we allow our children to experience failure. We all know that life is not always easy, but as a parent, sometimes it's very difficult to watch our children experience sadness and failure. Today, we have brought in Brad Schwal. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're here today? Thank you for having me. I am the president and CEO of the Center for Integrative Counseling and Psychology, and we have been around for 50 years. We have 36 therapists and psychologists who care about families, about kids, and are there to provide counseling and assessments to help families, to help kids reach their potential, and to give parents practical helps. We see all ages. We work with couples. We work work with a wide range of, of changes and challenges that, that, that we all may face at one time or another. We, we go to where people live, work, play, and pray. And so across our 30 locations in North and Central Texas, we're focused on being within communities and, and working alongside churches, schools, physicians to help people be healthy and whole. That sounds like an amazing mission. I love that. Thank you. I love that. So the first question I have for you today is just simple, but I think it has many layers is, should we let our kids fail? This will be a short podcast because the answer is yes. All right. Thanks for listening. <laughs> yes. Right. So, yes, <laughs> we, we should let them fail. You know, the question is a little tricky because we don't even have the power to keep them from failing. And we have to think about what our purpose in parenting is, and that is to equip and empower our kids to be able to live independently, to be able to make decisions on their own, and also to prepare them for the fact that they will fail. We all fail. We all make mistakes. We all um, strive. Um, We all want to be and do our best. Uh, But there are going to be challenges that we all face. And so our job isn't to protect our kids from every single possible failure. Instead, it's to equip them to be able to think on their own, to be able to have strong relationships, and to be able to be resilient no matter what comes their way. So in the, you know, little failures, does that actually help build a child's self-esteem? I think so, because for this very reason, and that is it is important for kids to learn to bounce back from upsetting situations. So 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 that does build up that strength. Now, we want to guide our children and and this shifts as our kids get older. So our young young children, I mean babies, we're protecting them from electrical outlets. We're doing things to keep them safe. So we are controlling their environment. As kids move into the toddler years, we still are providing that protection, yet we're allowing them to to make choices. We're allowing them uh, to be able to experience what it's like to be uh, with a group of friends and they're dealing with issues related to sharing, but we must be there to show them how to interact in a positive way. So our job is to guide and that does look different at different ages. We, We do back off and step back as our kids get older. So what is an appropriate age to start allowing them um, maybe with self-discovery and being able to solve problems for themselves. Sure. So during the preschool years, 
we still are providing direction. Before you take your preschooler on a play date, we're giving them directions on expectations for their behavior. But if they're with their brothers or sisters or with their friends, they're going to have a conflict and they have to learn how to work that through. So we don't want to avoid situations. We don't want to swoop in and keep what is happening from happening. So it does begin early on, yeah, even in the preschool years. So I'm flashing back to play dates where um, my children had like their favorite toy. Mm-hmm. And so I would learn before the kids would come over to our house to say, what toy do you not want to share? Absolutely. And go, let's go put that away. Let's keep it safe. It's yours. But these toys are everybody's. Right. Now, it's a beautiful kind of you know, it didn't always work. Sure. Right. So then you have the two year olds like crawling on top of each other. And when do you separate? Sure. So we, we can't expect two year olds to share. I mean, their sense of understanding that somebody else has their own wishes and wants and we have to negotiate. But what you did was great because you created uh, an environment, a structure where there was freedom to learn. So young kids, we are watching. We are stepping in before somebody gets hurt. But as our kids move into the elementary years, as as they move into dealing with homework, we set up that structure, but we help them realize they own the problem. And that really is one key. Who owns the problem? Who owns the responsibility in the situation? Uh, the younger the kids are, we, we need to be providing and, and preventing problems. But as they get older, they need to learn what they are responsible for. So one of the questions I was thinking about before you came in is, What happens to a child who when we do everything for them, like what is that child going to look like when they're 15, 16, 17, when maybe they don't have those skills to lean on? We're actually taking away their confidence because if they come home, uh, elementary school child comes home and talks about something happening with a friend and we call the parent immediately, we, we intervene, we call the teacher, then the child is left wondering, well, we, you know, I have no ability to problem solve or to think about how to handle this on my own. So, so two things do happen. Our kids lose confidence that they can problem solve and navigate whatever it is that's happening. And then secondly, they never learn how to do it on their own. So we need to think about that as our kids are moving into adolescence. And then for sure, as they're moving into those years after high school, work and college. So if they haven't been allowed to think for themselves, allowed to brainstorm, to navigate a a difficult situation, they won't have the confidence to do that. And they also won't have the the skills. So let's let's start young, Um, not quite early childhood, because we've established that we're there as a partner. Right. But let's say you're first grader forgets their lunch. Right. Right. And I have experienced this day. I used to work from home. And so I'm sitting, I walk through the kitchen and I see the lunch and I have two options. One is not bring the lunch to school. And the second one is bring the lunch to school. Okay. Um, depending on my moods would be the option right now. We've established in our family, you get one safe. I'll save okay. you once. Okay. Okay. Right. Yeah. 
But until we established that, it was this weird balance of, am I a bad parent if I don't bring a lunch to school? Or am I a bad parent if I do bring a lunch to school? Where's that balance? Right. I'm going to jump to the outcome, and this can help us in our thinking. If they don't have their lunch, there's going to be some way that our child is going to be helped at school. There's going to be something that can be done to make sure that our our child is fed at school. So, So sometimes we jump in because we are afraid of outcomes that that aren't necessarily going to happen or we're not trusting that a solution can be found without our intervention. So there are other ways that problems can be solved. I like it that you give that one save because we do have to be realistic. Do we remember every single thing as adults that we need for the day? My house four times a day. Right. So, so we have to understand, of course, a lot's going on. A lot is on our kids' minds. And so I don't believe that we are being the true helicopter parenting by dropping that lunch by. Now, here comes an issue. We have to be careful of patterns. We have to be careful of patterns of over-functioning because then the other under functions. So if we are continuously taking that forgotten lunch to school, then the child gets used to that and knows that they're going to be bailed out. And so then therefore that eliminates the need to think about what he or she needs to be doing. So so if we overfunction, our kids go into underfunction. So when especially when there's a, a pattern, uh, we do want to to be be stricter with ourselves right. about saying, you know what, here, here's what we do to get ready for the day. You've got your lunch. You're responsible for getting it out the door. And, and if you don't, you, you have to figure out something else. Um, here again, and again, I'm recognizing all kids are so unique. In our work at the center, we're working with so many uh, different uh, variables and families, uh, different uh, challenges that kids may be facing. And so So it is fine if you do set up more systems or processes to help make sure that lunch and homework does get out the door. That's teaching a skill. So if we ignore or if we hover and uh, rescue, either way, our kid isn't learning. Okay, so let's go to homework. If you notice your child and now most days you can see grades online and all that kind of stuff. And you notice the grades falling, 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 maybe in just one particular area. Is it our job to, you know, swoop in and call the teacher or how do we give the kids responsibility in that kind of situation? So I'll apply it to our kids being older uh, intermediate, middle school, uh, moving into high school. We want to find systems for knowing what's happening with schoolwork. Again, all kids are different. So we may have one kid who we never hear a thing about what is happening with their schoolwork and they get it done. They work on things. We may have a child that does need a little bit of support. So we might have a a check-in system to see how things are going. But I do know that if we do get our kids used to the fact that they are responsible for monitoring what's happening, that they they rise to the occasion to do that. So I I always tell my kids, I've I've done seventh grade. I've graduated. Like it's your turn. 
Let yeah. me know how I can be supportive. Abs- absolutely. You know? but Ab- absolutely. Thank the yeah. Lord I'm done with seventh grade. Uh, Let me just it, say it, that. It, that. That is true. That is good <laughs> that we, we get to move. We get to move past that. So if if we are constantly checking grades, constantly looking at what's going on, then then in essence, we are carrying the anxiety for our kid. Um, we, we also do want to empower but yet also help show our kids, no, you don't want to dig too deep of a hole. So if the grades start slipping, there's nothing wrong with checking in and saying, hey, what's going on? Mm -hmm. Because if it keeps like this, then you're going to have difficulty. And that's something else we can do. One way to show them they own the problem and the consequences is to say, listen, this is happening. And it's not going to be good if you get that behind. You're not going to be able to do the things out of school that you right. normally can do. If you're failing, you're not going to be able to do athletics. And so you'll want to figure out how to, to change and shift to get back on the right track. Right. I, You know, I have two kids in sports now, and I did not grow up playing sports. And when grades come out, there's like this little group of I mean, they play football, so I'm going to use boys, a group of boys standing on the sidelines that aren't allowed to dress out. And I think twofold, I mean, they don't get to play. And there's like a big, like shining light on them because 90% of the people in the stands know they're not playing because they didn't make the Mm -hmm. grades. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, there's that balance in helping them without doing it. Right. Yes. And and that's an example of a natural consequence. So a natural consequence, a consequence that happens directly as a result of a choice, uh, that is the time that we are allowing that consequence to happen because it's already built in. We can come up with every possible uh, thing to take away, but when it's directly related, then that is powerful. And the idea is that Kids know they have a choice to avoid and keep that from happening. As our kids get older, uh, we do have to think about those upper high school, post high school years, and that is a big transition. So just as we provide a lot of direction when they're young, we gradually step back. We're more encouragers as our kids get older, but we need to constantly monitor that throughout the different ages and stages or else we do get to high school and we're still doing everything for them. They're not learning what they need to do to be on their own. Well, and that's a consequence at 16 um, looks very different at the age of six. Right. Right. Yeah, Um, Motor vehicles are involved and, you know, there's alcohol and there's drugs and, you know, consequences become very different at these high school years. Hopefully there's not drugs and alcohol, but there's temptation in high school. Um, So where is that line of... Um, making sure your high school are safe mm-hmm. while asking, I love how you said, whose problem is this? Mm-hmm. You know, let's say they're at a party and there's bad stuff going on and they chose to stay. Right. Right. And they, they knew it was wrong. You know, that kind of stuff. Do you let them go to parties again? Do you, you know, where is that balance and that trust in this? Sure. So, Communication is is key and 
going ahead and talking about the fact that, yeah, our kids are going to be faced with difficult choices. They're going to be in situations that that can be dangerous, uh, where uh, dangerous things are happening. So it does start with that relationship, that connection, and that communication. So communication first, connection first, then comes structure. So what are the rules? What are the rules for when our kids move from one place to the next? What is the time that they need to be at home? What do we do uh, to check in on what's happening at the places where they're going? So we definitely do need structure. Then finally, there needs to be understanding of this balance between limits and freedom. So it's almost like we're creating a, a, a fence around our kids. The more responsibility that is shown that there's a wider range in which they can move. There, there are more freedoms because they're showing I can be trusted. When they make choices that are a break in the guidelines and the expectations, then there needs to be less freedom. So you show me you can be trusted and you have freedoms. And then quite frankly, there are some things that are off limits no matter what. Right. Um, So this is difficult. Kids brains that are prefrontal cortexes are not uh, developed until they're in their 20s. And so they're not thinking ahead about the consequences of their actions. They're focused on the moment. They're impulsive. So this takes constant navigation, stepping in, stepping back. It takes patience. It takes trust. But the more that we can be in tune with our kid, uh, we can figure it out. And as I said, I go back to my first point on that. We have to have a relationship with our kid. Um, We have to have that sense of trust that if something does go wrong, that they know that they can call us. So that's why we don't want to overreact. We don't want to have these huge shifts from, eh, do whatever you want to all of a sudden say you are not going anywhere uh, outside of one mile radius. We have to be careful of inconsistency and also um, um, being erratic in the limits that we set. You know, one thing that um, our family instilled once the kids got, I don't know, kind of middle school where you lose some of that control factor as a parent of who your friends are and whose houses you're going to is we have a code word in our family, that if you are at a house and you're in a situation that you want to get out of, all you have to do is text us this word. And you say, like, don't overreact. My son sent me the code word once. So and I knew the house that he was at and I was like shocked. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I need to get there. He just wanted to come home. Right. Okay, like, okay. Yeah, which is, sure. All right. but we had to establish that the code word doesn't always mean Maybe there could be different code right? levels, uh, but, right. but great. But yeah. it, it gives them that they can always fall on us as parents to say no. Uh, you know, an, another thought about that, uh, because many districts do have rules that uh, kids in extracurricular activities, theater, music, uh, athletics, that if they're at a party where there is alcohol, even if uh, the, the, the teenager isn't drinking, just being at a party that they can lose their privileges and and not be able to participate in activities. So that really is a prime example of of a time where we have to let our kids face the natural consequences of what is happening. So what I keep hearing you saying, I asked the question, the first question I asked was, should we let our kids fail? And it it doesn't sound like it's failures. It's 
learning from mistakes. It's growing into um, authority of who they are and being able to use their voice. I think that's exactly right. So if we consider uh, grades going down, right? So so we consider that a mistake. We consider that a, a, a less than what we would hope for for our child. Um, so so we are calling it a failure because it, it is a failure to do what They're our child is supposed failing. to do. <laughs> True. There you go. Uh, and and so, so what we are talking about is uh, not rescuing our children from facing the consequences of their choices. Okay. So, so can we keep them from making bad choices? No. Can we guide them to help prevent that? Um, yes. Um, Proverbs, train a child in the way he or she should go and he will not stray from the path. So with our sons and with our daughters, showing them the way, but inevitably they are going to stray from that path. So I think when we talk about failure, we're talking about making a poor choice having consequences of that undesirable choice, we want to allow the natural outcomes, consequences of what their choice is to happen so that they can learn from it. Well, and when kids make mistakes, I think sometimes parents put it on themselves that it's a reflection of who they are as a parent. Absolutely. But I would assume in your line of work, I mean, we're all just trying to do the best we can do. and everybody is going to make a mistake in life because there's only one perfect person in the world and it was Jesus. Right. 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 Um, And how we can't live to those perfection standards yet. I think we give ourselves those standards sometimes that. um, And so I just want to say to the parents listening today, you're not alone in, you know, your kids messing up. Every, right. every kid does. Right, 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 right. Absolutely. And, and we, we do want the best for our kids. So our intent is is good. Uh, we do need to be careful of some of those irrational projections onto our children. We need to be careful of not living vicariously through them. Uh, so one, just as you said, our, our children's behaviors are not a reflection on us. So we, we have to see that our job is to to help our children be respectful, be kind, to 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 care about what they're doing, to care about school, to be motivated. Uh, but if we're focused only on how it reflects on us, then we're missing out on helping them be their own individual, unique uh, person and taking that on as they get older and grow into adulthood. Likewise, living vicariously, our children's lives lives are not going to look exactly like ours. Mm-hmm. So back to the issue with confidence, if we're rescuing, doing things for our kids, completely trying to manipulate everything in their lives to protect them from any experience of frustration or hurt or sadness, mm-hmm. in essence, we're showing them that they aren't able to face those challenges and we're taking away their confidence and also missing out on them actually learning how, how to cope and how to deal with those so situations. you said a little bit, if you notice yourself rescuing, it becomes a very easy habit, right? Like I had to make myself not bring the folder or not bring, because that's why I set out that one save rule, right? It gave me that freedom as a mom to say, this is your save. Do you want it? Do you not? You know, or I gave you your save. We're done, you know, and Mm -hmm. then I didn't. But until I established that, I, I, I never knew 
you know, where the right situation was. Can you talk us through again when you notice yourself rescuing again and again and again? And I've seen in a lot of families like mom will start stop rescuing and then dad steps in or vice versa. Right. Like we that balance of working together to let the children experience what might be failure at the time, but is essentially building them into who they sure, sure. they're going to be. So I would say if, if we notice ourselves uh, fixing, repairing what has been done, then we're looking for the pattern. What is it? that we're, we're having to rescue from. And then what that should uh, tell us is what needs to be focused on with our child. So is it time management? Is it finding a way to remember what needs to be done? Is it is it that as they get older, they are getting involved uh, in and abusing alcohol? It, we, we have to be in tune with, with the issue that keeps happening about which we're having to rescue them. And then as far as... Being on the same page, it is true that kids can learn, hey, if I go to mom, I kind of get a little leeway. Or if I go to dad, I get a little leeway. So as parents being on the same page and and that can take work because we're all we all were raised differently. If uh, you and your spouse are divorced, then that adds other complexities to what's happening. So so we must strive to do our best uh, to be on the same page and be consistent uh, because otherwise our kids do learn how to manipulate the situation so that they can get out of whatever it was that happened. Right. Okay. So we're going to wrap up today, but I asked the each guest this question at the end of the podcast. If a new parent, student, or child was sitting in front of you right now, what would you tell them about experiencing failure? Right. I'm going to speak to a new parent and and I think really it's a parent with a kid of any age because really each stage we're a new parent yes. at that stage we we our kid turns 16 we haven't parented a 16 year old and even if we have an older child they're and then it, they're very different so 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 here's some encouragement to parents one remember what's most important And that is your relationship to your kids. Your care, your unconditional love for them gives them the foundation they need. Secondly, focus on what your job is. Your job is to teach and to guide. Uh, Ephesians 6, 4, fathers will say mothers too, do not exasperate your children, but instead raise them in the nurture and instruction of the Lord. So our job isn't to be exasperating and change up our rules, change up what we expect. It is to be focused on teaching, on guiding, and that being grounded in in what we learn uh, from from Jesus, what we learn from the Bible about uh, the fruit of the Spirit, gentleness and patience and kindness and self-control. So remember, Remember your job. The third point uh, would be to relax, <laughs> trust. Um, nothing will go perfectly. So uh, avoid expecting that things should be perfect. So number one, the main focus for parents, the relationship with our kids. Number two, what is our job? Our job is to teach. Our job is to guide. Three, 
sure, we're going to be anxious and that can motivate us to do good things, but don't be overly anxious. Uh, Bottom line, our kids are going to develop and grow and change and move forward through life regardless of what we're doing. So uh, we, we don't have complete control. Trust the process. Have grace for yourself, grace for your kids. And in the end, you will always have that relationship to go back on no matter what challenges you face together. I love that. Thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you. Appreciate it. You can find information about our podcast on our webpage, standrewumc.org forward slash family. Make sure to visit our website where you can subscribe to the show and iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. While you're there, if you found value in the show, we'd sure appreciate a rating. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. We would always like to thank the creative team for all they do to make us sound amazing. We love getting your questions and feedback, so be sure to send us your questions via email. Blessings.